get all cozy. Going to read from Mark, continuing it in Mark chapter 4. Last week, Fletcher spoke on the parable of the sower. And I am going to read from verse 21. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. He also said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing that will not be revealed and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and more will be added to you. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. The kingdom of God is like this. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises. Night and day the seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself. First the blade, then the head, and then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, that when sown upon the soil is the smallest of all the seeds on the ground, and when sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the garden plants and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. He was speaking the word to them with many parables like these as they were able to understand. He did not speak to them without a parable. Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. Well, I don't have a particularly green thumb. I do dabble a little bit. Um... And usually I rely on the plant label a lot. And usually if I'm buying uh, uh, something for a display, a native or something like that, it says to give it so much room around the plant, right? And so I'll plant this little seedling or sapling or something in the ground. And I, it looks a bit lonely. It's all this dirt around about it um, is it really going to need that much space? And if everything goes well, which it often doesn't, but if everything goes well, lo and behold, the plant grows and takes up the space that the label said. On the other hand, we have a French panty in the backyard that basically got crowded out and died. So, like I say, I have mixed results. So we're just looking at these uh, remaining parables in, in this section of Mark today. And as I was reflecting on these, I'm like, how do we bring these together? What is Jesus trying to say? And I think these parables are really about anticipation uh, and expectation. Jesus, if you remember, if you were here way back to uh, a few months ago when we started Mark, Jesus has started to experience opposition to his ministry, uh, and I can imagine the disciples wondering what they've got themselves into. Is this new Jesus movement that they've signed up for going to go anywhere? And perhaps you feel like that sometimes. 
is the small beginning that I'm making, whether that's on a project uh, going to bear fruit, or for some years now, uh, we have been told that Christianity in the West is in decline. Am I backing the wrong horse here? So what does Jesus say in these parables? Well, the answer's obvious. I don't think I'm going to have any surprises here. But let's unpack them. Um, so Jesus begins with the parable of the lamp. Whatever is concealed will be revealed. Now, when I've read this in the past, I've thought this is a bit of a threat. It's like, you'd better be good because you're going to get found out. But as I was rereading it today, I realized it's, uh, oh, this week, I didn't plan, prepare this sermon just today. Um, but I've realized that actually it's not a threat, it's a promise. Last week, uh, Fletcher explained the parable of the sower, that the seed is uh, Jesus or, or the gospel message about Jesus. Um, and likewise, if you're familiar with the Bible, you might think, and he quoted a number of passages to, to back that up, um, you might think of passages about the light. What does the Bible say about the light, if you're familiar with that? Psalm 119, you might be familiar with. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. In Isaiah 9, the people living in darkness would see a great light because a child was about to be born. And later on in, in God's, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 1, uh, this is made plain. Uh, the word became flesh and the word is uh, that uh, the life and that life is the light uh, that has shone in the darkness. Then in the parable, Jesus uh, uses this in Matthew as well, in Matthew chapter 5. There we are told we are the lamp that is to shine, but here seems better understood as God's word is the lamp or Jesus is the lamp, he is the light. And Jesus doesn't just shine, he lights up everything else around him. C.S. Lewis wrote, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And so when the light that is Jesus was lifted up, he, he lit up dark places and, and revealed many things. And this is what Jesus is talking about, I think. And of course, he often revealed sin in people's lives. So perhaps my little uh, fear there isn't completely unfounded. And sometimes Jesus would actually call out people's sin. Not very popular today. We, we sort of feel like we uh, don't talk about sin. I can't judge anyone else, but it's not about judgment. For Jesus, of course, he was perfect, and sometimes he did judge sin, particularly with the self-righteous uh, and the very re- the sort of ultra-religious who got all the rules right but missed the point, and he'd call out their hypocrisy and eventually pronounce judgment on them for it. He called out other people's sin, though. He called out the sin of the woman at the well, if you remember that in John 4 where he sort of recounts uh, her, her life a little bit, and she said, oh, goes into the village, she said, he told me everything I ever did. The difference there, of course, is that Jesus has brought her sin to life so that 
he can bring healing into her life. And so what's happening is it's not only what is revealed in the light is people's sin, but people's hearts. And it's actually that's more what Jesus is judging when he judges the Pharisees. Um, you know, sometimes like worms slithering away from the light, some people want to extinguish, extinguish the light, get as far away from it as they can. And it shows up in their hearts and in their attitudes uh, and in their response to God. But others despite the pain that might come when the light shines into the recesses of their heart, they embrace it because they see in there God's beauty and grace and they see healing. And it's by the light that faith is born as the light is lifted up. And so it's in this light, no pun intended, that Jesus urges us to pay attention to what we hear. Pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you and more will be added to you. Verse 24. So in the Old Testament, again, there might be a picture of judgment here. God sometimes uh, talked about punishing the full measure of a nation's sin. Uh, when Abraham was going into Canaan, he had to wait for the Amorites uh, to, to build up the full measure of their sin. And there's sometimes a similar warning in Jesus' words because the measure many people use in their lives is a measure of sin and selfishness. But the New Testament also, also talks about other measures. It talks about measures of God's grace. It talks about measures of faith that God has given us and the good works that flow from that faith. And so I think here's a challenge for us when Jesus says, uh, listen carefully and by the measure that you use, it will be measured to you, is what is the measure we're using when it comes to the things of Christ? Do we pay attention to Jesus' words and, and respond with a generous measure of faith and obedience, abiding in Christ that we can abound in good works, as he talks about at the end of John? Or to put it another way, as Fletcher challenged us with last week, are we cultivating the soil of our hearts so that the word of God can flourish there and be fruitful? To extend the horticultural metaphor, and I think this is what Jesus means when he says, uh, whoever has more will be given to him, whoever does not, even what he has will be taken away, is basically we reap what we sow. If we sow sin or apathy, we reap judgment ultimately. If we sow faith and righteousness, we reap glory, if not in this life, then in the next. So then Jesus tells us two more parables about seed. And remember last week again that Fletcher established that the seed is the word of God, the gospel of Christ or Christ himself. Um, and so in the first parable... The man scatters the seed and the seed grows. He doesn't know how, it just happens. And uh, I recently planted some zucchini seeds in the garden and I, I was struck by how there's almost an element of faith. And I was, it was, it was um, something I experienced as I'm planting these seeds into the soil. Um, I'd planted some seedlings I'd bought from Bunnings. They did not do so well and it wasn't my fault. I shouldn't have bought them in the first place. I thought, are these really going to sprout? 
and you sit there and there's a few days and there's nothing happening. And it's, are these really going to sprout? I keep watering them. I fertilize them. Are, is anything going to happen? Then boom, up they come and they're doing really well. That's a win for me so far. We'll see what happens when it comes to harvest. You know, with all our scientific knowledge about how life begins, there's still a wonder and a mystery around the creation of new life. In the gospel, the kingdom of God, Jesus is talking a a parable of the kingdom here. The kingdom of God is like that. There's a mystery around it. We plant the seed of the gospel. We talk to friends about it. Um, Maybe you post something on uh, social media. Make make it positive, please. Um, And is this going to produce anything? Is anything going to grow from this gospel seed that I'm scattering? Is anything going to grow from the things we do as a church and trying to reach our community, our our Christmas events and and so on, our um, kids' programs? And is, is anything going to grow? This strange, unbelievable message of the gospel, can it accomplish anything, particularly when it's left to me, to be watering it and sowing seed. And Jesus says, well, yes, you may well wonder. There's a God-given mystery here, but it does work. The second parable says a similar thing in a different way. Um, the mustard seed actually wasn't the smallest seed in, in the garden, in the ancient gardens even, but it was used as a proverb fairly often. Um, it's a small seed, but it grows into a large plant. I have a tree in my front yard that I was told was a ficus. And I thought, well, that's boring. It's not even growing properly. It's taking forever. Then I pulled out and plant identification app, and it insists to me that it's actually an ash tree. And this thing could grow up to six meters tall. And I now we're talking. I'm really excited about this. So suddenly we pulled out the weeds around it and we've put uh, mulch on it and fertilized it and I'm invested. Um, It's going to take time. Be patient, but it will happen. Because I'm not the gardener God is, fortunately. I'm not talking about my tree now. I'm talking about the gospel. (laughs) Jesus says we shouldn't despise the day of small beginnings. From little things, big things grow, especially the kingdom of God because God is the gardener. God is the one who sows the seed ultimately. So the point, if you were here last week, the point of the for uh, the soil, the, the sower that Fletcher spoke about last week is about how the soil affects the growth and the fruitfulness of the seed. Um, in these parables, the, the point isn't so much the, the soil, our hearts, it's the gospel itself, how it grows mysteriously, uh, almost unbelievably from small beginnings. It will happen, Jesus is assuring us. The light will be lifted up and reveal. So as Jesus' ministry started to get backlash, the disciples must have been wondering, uh, and being bewildered. So Jesus is this amazing guy they've met. 
God is clearly with him. He's healing people. He has his message like no other they have heard, a message of grace. People are milling around him, yet the scribes and Pharisees hated him, and the people just didn't get the point. So was this whole enterprise even going to work? And of course, the parables here, Jesus is saying, yes, it's going to work. Trust me. It's going to work in ways that will astound you and that are bigger than you can ever imagine. And it certainly is. Those early years, they were not expecting the gospel to go beyond the bounds of Israel and extend to all the world. Not in the way it has. Now, not every heart will receive the kingdom of God. The parable of the four soils tells us that. And not every heart will persist in it. But those who do will bear much fruit. And so Jesus says, prepare your hearts. Listen carefully to my teaching. The kingdom is near. So Jesus says to us as we wonder, is it going to make a difference in my sphere? Don't get discouraged. Persist. Cultivate your heart. Listen carefully. Use the generous gospel measure of faith. It will happening. And in fact, it is happening. We talk about the decline of, of faith in the West and the statistics don't look good. But if you measure actual attendance, people who don't just say, hey, I'm a Christian and you know, I barely ever go to church if at all, you talk about the people sitting in the pews and engaging. Actually, in the West, and in Australia at least, the numbers are pretty steady. And of course, globally, the church is growing. And if you've ever wondered, you know, they talk about, some people forecast a time when um, secularism would take over, that religion would diminish, because the number of atheists in the world is growing as well. But you know, faith is growing more. So proportionally, the number of people who don't believe as a pop part of the population is shrinking what's the point the point is the seed is growing the seed is producing fruit jesus says your faithful witness will bear fruit i want to wind up this section of the uh, mark with just touching on verses 33 to 34 where jesus says he was uh, or the mark says he was speaking the word to them with many parables like these, as they were able to understand. He did not speak to them without a parable. Privately, however, explained everything to his own disciples. You know, it's very easy, if you're like me, you've experienced this, to get frustrated when the truth of the gospel and the things of God seems bleedingly obvious to you. You hear, read this message and this is so good. And God speaks things into your heart and brings it alive and brings you alive. And you're like, why can't anyone else grow there? Why don't my friends see it? Why don't my family see it? What I have seen. And it's really easy to get frustrated. And I think these, and, and, Perhaps you, you, we can put some of the pressure on ourselves as well. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to make them know. I've got to let them know. I've got to. Some people as well. I've got to tell them everything now. But these parables, I think, take the pressure off us. Jesus does tell us to make disciples uh, at the end of, well, the Gospels. But look, it was slow work even for him. He told people everything in parables as 
they were able to understand because we as human beings tend to be pretty thick. <laughs> and so Jesus had to do it at a pace. Now, you know, we've talked about in, in Mark how Mark reveals to us, the reader, who Jesus is, that he's the son of God, that he's the Messiah. The people in the story are still figuring this out. But imagine if Jesus had just come out and said it. Oh, this is the kingdom of God. I'm the king, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he would have been crucified a lot, lot quicker, I can imagine. And so he has to do it in a way that people can uh, absorb and let the kingdom, let the, the gospel message just do its work. And I think that's the case for us. We we do need to sow the gospel, but it's sort of the gospel once sown and with maybe some gentle watering along the way, it will do its work as it did with Jesus. There were hearts that were open that he could teach directly, his disciples. People came into his, his flock, but there were many more who just needed time and patient planting of the seed. Until we see at the day of Pentecost, thousands of people come to faith and, and in the ensuing weeks. Not all will believe, some will fall away, but the seed will find its mark in fertile soil. It's a task of making disciples, slowly and patiently scattering the seed. It's a task we want to do at Bentley. And later on in the year, we've talked a little bit about this and we'll be talking more about finding key people in your life, uh, the kind of people Jesus called people of peace, people who are open to the gospel, who whose hearts that can take root and grow in. And you've probably got these people in your life. You may just not be quite sure how to go about talking to them. And we'll talk about that more later, but I just would say shine the light of Jesus and see what happens. And see what happens in your heart and my heart, as we let his light shine in us and as we listen carefully and we respond with a generous measure of faith because the seed will produce something amazing in us as well. And that's the good news of the gospel. Let's pray while the team comes up for our final song. Father, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. Lord, I really thank you that it's not up to us, it's not up to me. You call us to do stuff, but ultimately... This gospel is a miracle and you do the work and it will just grow. And Father, we pray that it will grow in our hearts, in our midst here at Bentley Baptist, but in our community, among our friends and family as well. Give us a kind of faith to scatter the seed and to see what happens. In Jesus' name, amen.